Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, May 30th, 2019. It is the start of the NBA Finals. Baseball is in full swing. We are about a week, a little over a week out from the Belmont Stakes. Mike, how's your week going, buddy? Where do you want to start? This week's been really good, man. I kind of feel that summer excitement coming on. You right, know, when, yeah. What Memorial Day brings. Yeah, and the weather for, it's been a little in SoCal. It's it's been a little gloomy in May. You, you get the June gloom sometimes, but we've had some rain. Hasn't really been warm. Not a whole lot of days like in the 70s or so, but now it's like 85 today, getting into the 80s now that warms up a little bit. You kind of feel it. You, you feel it a little bit. So NBA basketball and, and NHL finishing up their seasons and baseball getting ready to kind of take take the mantle for the summer. Let's let's get a, a couple predictions in, in NBA with this series coming up. So you and I were, I guess we we were we weren't like doing it doing anything crazy expecting Golden State to be there. But on the East, I think we both were a little bit off in that I expected I guess two teams over the Raptors to be there. I thought Philly, a healthy Philly team, and then even I picked the Bucks after. I guess, I guess I'm not shocked because they have a good squad, but are you really surprised to see Toronto make it here? A little bit. It's um it's kind of nice, though, when there's a team that hasn't been able to get over the hump yeah. for a long period of time, and then they finally do. It's cool for that fan base because it kind of makes it all worth it. Whereas how many times have you seen it? We've seen it in all the sports where a team just can't get over the hump, and it's really, really frustrating because then you're confronted with, what do we do? I think the Clippers kind of dealt with that to a lesser scale you know, they didn't necessarily, they weren't as dominant in their conference like Toronto has been over the last six, seven years. But it's kind of like, what do you do? If we can't get over the hump with yeah. the cast we got, do you You're break it keep up? trying it or do you blow it yeah. up? Yeah. Is you it know? stupid to break it up? Is it not? And, and, you know, obviously they made a nice move for Kawhi. And, and they got That rewarded. was the missing piece, you know? And, they, and you know what? Win or lose, if Kawhi stays or leaves, it was worth it. Yes. They've never made it there. They got there already. And what they, just like what you said, that was just a perfect segue, is that you just felt like this team with DeRozan and Lowry at the top, they just weren't quite, they were just missing something. That doesn't mean DeRozan was a bad player or Lowry was a bad player or any of them. It's just their combination wasn't quite right. You know, and DeRozan, they traded, he had a good year for the Spurs. They made the playoffs. They overachieved a little bit there too. They took Denver to, uh, to seven. I, I'm actually really happy for a guy like Kyle Lowry, because Kyle Lowry really embodies what you meant about this Raptors team, a team who's just continued to have some playoff struggles. And in particular, Kyle Lowry has had some playoff struggles. What I like about him, Mike, is he's not your typical NBA player because it took about five years for him to really become like a productive player. He started out on Memphis Really didn't get a lot of playing time and, and wasn't making a dent. They traded him to Houston. The first year in Houston, he was coming off the bench. And then his second year in Houston, he really took a big step forward. And the key for a guy like Lowry is in one season, he went from a 27% three-point shooter to a 37% three-point shooter. Literally from 
well below average to above average in just one season. So I, I'll root for a guy like that because I know how hard he's worked. He's not a guy who was just better than everyone. He had to work at his game every season in the offseason, improve, continue to pick things up. And he just averaged 19.2 points in the conference finals, 5.5, five and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, and he shot 46% from three. Was Kawhi the MVP? Yes. But if he doesn't have that kind of a series, they don't beat the Bucks. Well, speaking of which, how do they beat the Warriors? It's you need Lowry, you need Siakam, you need Gasol to all step up. You need to play because defensively is where they they have an opportunity with with Siakam and with Leonard alone. They have really versatile defensive pieces. My major concern is that Kawhi is carrying a very heavy load right now and we saw in the in in the conference finals he put this team on his back he did the same thing in the the seven game conference semis against philadelphia and it seems like he's re-aggravated the hamstring injury a little bit and he obviously he's still been good enough but is he going to be 100 Kawhi and able to do it on both ends i think that's the only chance they have if he can be the defensive stopper and still get you 25 to 30 that's the only template they have for beating the Warriors. Otherwise, I just don't think they're going to have enough scoring. I think the Raptors have too many, too many, you know, two, three, four minute spurts where it's just Kawhi ISO. There's not a lot. They get a little tight. They miss a couple shots, and then you they're starting to look around at each other, and you're starting to wonder where the scoring's coming from, especially on the road. So it, you need Kawhi to be MVP Kawhi. Yeah, and. It'll be interesting, interesting to see if they can continue to uh, to like diffuse and win despite of the uh, Drake curse, right? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> so they've been able to keep well, advancing this this time around. It was funny that the whole Drake giving the coach a massage and he was on there and everybody was talking about that. He was on the court and everything. I do mm-hmm. think when you have a big, I think it's good for for a team, and I think it Drake fits with Toronto well. You know, it's like even the the Drake curse for all the other teams. It's like it fits it fits right in. I wouldn't be I don't think they will win. I think the Warriors will win in six and I think they'll probably win in six. I don't even expect Durant to play much. Like if you're Durant right now, he's probably sitting there going, I'm not going to play unless they lose. Because if they lose, then he can come back and be the savior. But if they win, he's probably going, well, I don't want to risk an injury because this could be a big offseason for me. I could you know, have a huge contract. What if I hurt myself bad and then I don't get my max deal? So I, yeah, I wonder, do you think there's any element of, you know, in the back of his mind where he's like, but if I don't play and this team wins without me, what does that say about my contributions? I think I mean, that these guys, at this level, these guys have like massive egos, egos right? Oh, huge. See, I, th- I think in everybody's saying that it's still undecided because initially I was convinced he was going to leave. From just the way he's pre- presented himself the last couple of years and the way he's talked. But then recently now they've, they've kind of said that the injury has made him a little concerned. And he kind of, it's it's nice to have the safety blanket that is Golden State, right? And it, it's nice to know that you can maybe have an injury in the middle of the season and miss a month and not have to deal with what the Lakers had to deal with this year when LeBron got hurt. You know, if any one of their stars gets hurt for a month in Golden State, they're fine. You got Curry, you got Durant, you got Draymond, you got Clay, you got Iguodala still there. You know, they have plenty to fill in when, when one or two guys are injured right now. They're 31-1 in their last 32 games without Durant. 
31 and one in 32 games. I mean, how much it's better could you be? Yeah, no, I mean, there's, you made a lot of good points. And I think the other thing too, that we can't forget is whenever you're a part of a championship type of dynasty, like take the bulls, for example, you know, we still remember people far beyond Michael Jordan, right? And Pippen oh, yeah. and, and Rodman and Kerr and, Kerr and Luke Longley and Kukoc, Bill Cartwright and Tony Kukoc. And, yeah, we could go on and on and on. So their whole team. Yeah. yeah, so there's something to be said for being on a team that wins a bunch of rings. And if he could be a, a, in, a, in an environment where he could look at it and say, you know what, we could still win two, three, four more rings – and be able, even if he got there late, he still may be able to have as many rings as maybe even Michael Jordan. He and, could still get to six. It's possible, right? And, uh, Curry and, and company definitely can get to six. That's definitely possible. And I think once you get to that point, maybe he's elevated above LeBron in the discussion. I mean, who knows? There's still a lot to be written in each of their stories. But let's just say he goes to the Knicks or one of these other places. I mean... He might not ever win a ring again. And, do you and I think, think that has to be considered, right? With the way he's been with the media, is he going to – what's going to happen when the Knicks lose four games in a row? Or if when he misses a game-winning shot and some New York reporter, you know, makes a comment and, and he gets up and walks out? He can't do that when he's the man in New York. He's never been in a – he's been in Oklahoma City and then Golden State when he's been – in a team where there's a bunch of other stars to deal with too. He, this is a rude awakening for him. If he's going to go to New York and think he's going to be able to just carry a team. That's, yeah. that's what I, you know, it's not, it's not that easy. No, he it's can't not that just easy. Do it. And there is a, uh, I don't remember if it was a 30 for 30, but there's something on Reggie Jackson. And I don't know how well versed you are in kind of Reggie Jackson's entire story in baseball and his history with the A's and A's ownership and how he ended up leaving Oakland in the middle of their dynasty in the early 70s. But he was also part of a string of championship teams with the Yankees, and they had some great battles against the Dodgers in the early 80s. And the reason I'm bringing it up, though, is because he was Mr. October, hitting three bombs in a game when it, things like that just didn't happen and never happened before. And yet, they were re- the med- lo- local New York media was really quick to turn on him after he started, like, the following season, you know, batting, you know, the typical slow starts in baseball that you see, you know, batting 180, one home run, six RBIs a month into the season. And they were like about to assassinate him, you know, and it's kind of like Durant, I don't think has the temperament. There's certain guys, the Marshawn Lynch's of the world and, and the Durant's of the world and the guys who are testy with the media or don't like talking with them. I think New York ends up getting the best of them yeah. in the long run. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really different. You have to have like, like that Derek Jeter type of personality, you know, um, or even like Russell Wilson. You know, there's been rumors, uh, you know, about him going to the New York Giants, which obviously are now quashed. But like Russell Wilson's one of those guys. He's to me, he's just like a Derek Jeter, where he oh, can be give perfect. the answers. He'd be close to the town. Yeah, he would absolutely. be throwing out first pitches all over. He yes. would be hosting events. Yes. He would be just. Like Mister New York, he would. Oh You're right. yeah. You can, there are some the New York, people that the, even the Yankees would probably trade for him so that he's going now to their camp instead of yeah. you know yeah. the Rangers or whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think you have to be a special type of guy to be a it's quarterback different. or a leader or it's, you know the the face of a team. L A. New York. L and and even in L A. with with you know with the Lakers with the Dodgers, we've seen this year. 
I don't think anybody, including myself, was ready for the kind of media storm that the Lakers plus LeBron equaled this year. I mean, every single thing is a story, is reported on, is spun, is analyzed from every which way, is regurgitated, is spit out again into a different form. I mean... These things happen at every in every team and every organization, but nobody cares because it's the Lakers and LeBron. They care about the Lakers and LeBron. They don't care if it's, it's not the lead story around the NBA when it happens with the Kings or when it happens with Acers the Bucks or what happens or, with the Magic. But like right now, really in this offseason so far, outside of final scores and highlights for the playoff games, the biggest thing obviously has been what they're dubbing as the Lakers dysfunction and Palenka and Magic Johnson and Jeannie Buss and LeBron and where are they going and who made what decisions and so on and so forth. I mean, there's there's nothing like it like you're talking about. Nothing yeah. in, in really any sport, you know, maybe outside of if such a thing happened with the Yankees. So, you know, I'm with you. I I hear what you're saying loud and and clear. Maybe that's a good segue to the Lakers dysfunction because I know that you're a big fan. Yeah, because we're talking about the West. I think one thing that you and I have been pretty consistent about all year long, and this is more so than thinking that like this year's group of the Lakers was a championship type team. I just didn't think the West was that good. And I think we're seeing it. We're seeing that there were like two pretty good teams in the West. Golden State, very good, obviously. And then Houston. And then a bunch of other teams that were okay, from Portland to Denver to Oklahoma City to San Antonio. You know, none of them were terrible. The the Clippers Clippers, were very solid. They played over their heads, you know. But none of them were, like, terrifying teams. None of them were teams that you're telling me in a playoff series you wouldn't have. LeBron would have probably been favored over them. A healthy LeBron would have probably been favored over any of those teams besides Golden State and Houston. So what we're seeing now is is the West is it's not quite as top heavy as it maybe was the last couple years because you look to the East and there are maybe three or four good teams in the East. So now if Durant goes East and we're talking about a Western conference that isn't quite as strong, you know, you, you look at Really, everyone, the Clippers, the Lakers, with all this free agency that's going to happen with Kawhi moving, possibly with, you know, who knows about Kyrie, Clay Thompson. You're not, some of these teams aren't that far away from being, you know, the, the next team behind Golden State. I don't know if you heard today or the last few days, Houston and Daryl Morey have basically said, we're going to blow it up. They said pretty much everybody besides Harden. And even if you gave us a deal that knocked us off our feet, Harden is on the table because they did they did exactly what you just said that Toronto's done the last couple of years. They took their best shots at the at the Warriors over and over, and this year they couldn't get by a Warriors team without Durant even. So they have to to look at themselves in the mirror and go, Chris Paul's getting older. He's going to make forty million dollars next year. Chris Paul, what are they going to do? And the year after, he's going to make even more. So Houston now, this top-tier team in the West, might not be a top-tier team anymore. So, man, it's it's crazy because I, I'm i disappointed in, in everything that's happening with the Lakers, with, with I guess, just the, the front office in general. But I've heard that Jeannie and the Lakers are, understand, are realizing that no matter what they say, everyone's going to take it and spin it however they want. So Jeannie is really saying nothing. I don't know if that's good or bad. But at least that's she. She's that's what she's 
she's been say, saying nothing by saying nothing. It, it, yeah. You know, and and so I would love her to come out and say, "I got this, guys. We're good. Laker fans, don't worry about it." Right now, the only like real solace or the confidence that I have is in LeBron. I see LeBron out there working on his game, recruiting, you know, tampering his butt off. So I'm hoping that whether it's maybe maybe it's not Kawhi, maybe it's not KD, who I really wouldn't want KD to be honest anyways. Um I would maybe it's Jimmy Butler, maybe it's Kyrie again. Maybe it's Nick Nikola Vucevic who would be a good fit next to LeBron, but nobody's talking about someone like him cuz he's not as sexy, but he's a big who can shoot threes. He would fit very well with the Lakers and the and the way their team is is set up. Maybe you don't even get one of the max guys, maybe you get a couple veteran, you get a big man, like a Brooke Lopez type that we left go last year. You know, there's a guy like Dwayne Dedman out there who could come off the bench for you. You get Seth Curry, who's a shooter, or someone like J.J. Redick. So I think a lot of people are forgetting that they do still have LeBron. And it was only one year ago, Mike, when LeBron was in the final. It wasn't 15 years ago. No, look, it, before he got hurt, he was on track to having a typical LeBron season. He was a force, and he had the Lakers playing really competitive ball. And I remember at one point in the year, it was early, but, you know, they were a pretty high seed up there. You they know, fourth. in the first they were or fourth. second it was, or It was whatever. Christmas when they were fourth when he got hurt when they were beating up Golden State. And that's the game that all the Laker fans, like, point to that day. We go, look, we were fourth. I think that all of this stuff, as we've said, like – you just don't know. I don't know what to believe any positive or negative. Like if if something comes out that sounds good for the Lakers, I don't know if it's true, if it's just been information that's been planted to a reporter to make the Lakers sound good. If anything's bad against them, maybe it's from an opposing team who's just trying to make it tougher on them to get a free agent. Nobody wants the the Lakers to go get Kawhi and, you know, or Kyrie and all these guys and be this awesome team. So it just is, it's tough. I just want to, I wish free agency was here right now and we could just have the rosters and just know because this next month or two is going to be so much of this, this exactly what we had for the last two years. Just what's going to happen, who's leaving here, who's going what, and soap opera. Well, let me leave you with this thought as we head into our first commercial break. You, you talked about, I don't know what to trust and what's true and what's not true. I think one of the Really important things that they're going to have to address probably really soon here is uh, is is Rob Palenka because he's kind of oh, being yeah. portrayed as a pathological mm-hmm. pathological liar, and the only thing I've ever seen that's anything like this was back in 1998. Blue Jays, the Blue Jays had a manager uh, named Tim Johnson, and he actually lied to his players during spring training to get them all like rallied up and told them about uh, war stories from when he was in Vietnam, and he told them you know, about how they're able to overcome adversity. And all these stories are really, really inspirational. Come to find out, he never was deployed to the Vietnam. And the whole thing was just a BS story. And the problem was, even though the stories were good, it was a lie. And you can't trust your manager <laughs> if you're viewed as a liar. And so with Palenka, it's the same thing. Uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, apparently he made some kind of comment about Kobe Bryant when he represented him. Uh, as his agent before he got into the front office business and he had told him about how Kobe Bryant is just like a just crazy when it comes to studying film and you know but also to look at success stories and he got it so into the whole Batman movie with Heath Ledger that he coordinated a meet and greet between the two so that Kobe could pick his brain problem is the way the timeline was, it was said by his part you know, it, it made it seem like it happened six months after the movie came out when the guy had overdosed and died prior to the release even. 
Yeah, so, it, was, it was impossible. Unless it was COVID impossible got some it to super happen. early screener or the trailer, like, and I saw people that were like, there. It was just there was no there was no way it could have yeah. happened. And, yeah. So you know, I think at this point, he he's got to get canned. I think that's unforgivable. Yeah. No, and it's it's unless he's it's got some, some really like like hey look I totally spaced out on the timing of it. It's not exactly. I mean, I don't know how he could backtrack it. I don't think no. he could take it back because the guy is dead. Like so Axe Capital uh, stuff right there. Yeah, so let's take our first commercial break, though, and uh, we'll keep on rolling with the Lakers and transition into baseball with our first baseball guest. Stay with us. We will be right back after two minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, we are set for our first guest today. And Mike, you introduce him in a minute, but... I'm a little surprised that the conversation we're going to have about the Rangers is, is going to probably be pretty pro- positive. As far as the MLB is concerned, I think, it, for me, they're probably one of the biggest surprises of the year. Absolutely. They're really playing a fun brand of baseball if you like to see a lot of scoring, both giving up a lot of runs and uh, and driving in a lot of runs. And we'll talk a little bit about that with our first guest here. Everybody that listens to our show regularly knows that we love having on writers, beat writers, and uh, team columnists from The Athletic and a repeat 
uh, guest of ours is Saad Youssef of the Athletic Dallas-Fort Worth. He's come on before to talk with us about the Dallas Cowboys mainly, but he also covers the Texas Rangers. Saad, good afternoon. How are you, hey, bud? Saad. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you com- coming in and joining with us. I just saw, actually, uh, I think it was just a, maybe today's news flash or maybe yesterday's that they've already set the uh, opening game for the new Globe Life field against the Angels on March 31st in 2020. A lot of excitement and a buzz about that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of excitement about that field in general. We've had some pretty bad weather. It, it, it's it's funny because usually the uh, the complaining comes in like June, July about the heat, but there's been a lot of rain in Dallas, and so we've had a lot of weather delays. And so there's just a lot of excitement in general about the about the new stadium. And, you know, the first game that's going to be played there is going to be against those St. Louis Cardinals, which which uh, is always fun when the Cardinals play in Dallas because sure. um, no, one, no one here in Arlington forgets 2011 ever. Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> course. Now, that's the exhibition game on the uh, 17th of March. Right. For people who are circling that on their calendars, and the first regular season home series is against the LA Angels. And you're talking about the weather. I see that one of the uh, big uh, features is the retractable roof in this 40,000-seat stadium. Yeah, and then that's going to be uh, – that's mainly for the heat because, it, I mean, it drives away attendance. No one wants to go there um, on, a, on a July – um, evening, or especially when it's a Sunday game, that the first pitch first pitch is at two o five. Just no one wants to be there, and so uh, it, I mean, it's definitely a good idea. It's long overdue, but it, it, it's also kind of unfortunate because the stadium is not that old itself. It's just, I mean, you you kind of wish that when they built it in nineteen ninety four, they had a little bit more of a forward thinking mindset at the time. Because in reality, the the stadium is Globe Life Park is really nice. It just doesn't have a roof. Well, Saad, the team that's going to be playing in the stadium is playing a little bit better this year than I think a lot of people expected. They had one of the lowest over-unders for win totals in all of baseball. And when you looked at the roster coming into the year, we'd probably have to imagine they were going to have to you know, score runs to be good. But I couldn't have expected them to be scoring this many runs. They're, only, they're one of only four teams that scored over 300 runs so far. They're right there with the Dodgers and with the Red Sox as two of the best offenses in the league, what has been the key or maybe what has been something that, what has been unexpected? Where is the prediction coming from that we, we didn't expect it coming from? Oh, that, that, that's easy. It's definitely Hunter Pence. No one expected Hunter Pence to be doing what he's doing right now. Uh, you kind of, Joey Gallo is, is the best player on the Texas Rangers, but that's also something that you kind of expected uh, mm-hmm. with his growth in the last couple of years. Um, but Hunter Pence, I, I don't think Hunter Pence was playing this well five years ago, let alone just like last year. And I remember when the Rangers signed Hunter Pence, I did a big story on him. And at the time, the concern was, I, it, it was actually, I wrote it in my story, was if he makes the roster, like if he makes it. And right now, he's one of the most, he's one of the best feel-good stories in the MLB right in Major League Baseball right now, because um, just because of who he is as a personality, we all know like who he's been throughout his career. He's just a fun-loving guy, yeah. and now his swing is all reinvented, and 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 he's producing. And so, uh, Hunter Pence is really where uh, the, the unexpected boost on the offense has come from. And you know, to your point, 
how good the Rangers have been, it just tells you how bad the pitching has really been in Texas when they're that good on offense and they, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're eight games behind the Astros right now. Let me put it in perspective to you guys, okay? Since May 11th, they have been involved. May 11th isn't that long ago, guys. They've been involved in seven games where there's been a combined 15 runs or more. <laughs> they've won four in a row where there have been 15 runs combined. And then there's six more games where there has been between eight and 13 runs scored all since May 11th. I mean, talk about shootout city. Fun brand of baseball to watch as a viewer, that's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely a lot of fun to watch um, if you're like while you're watching the game, and then it gets really agitating to watch um, when you're when you're kind of like looking at the final score because you know you brought up the Angels. The Rangers lost like a seven six game to the Angels like just a, earlier this week, and you know you want to be able to win games when you score six runs. And uh, I mean, even the even the game they just won yesterday, they won eight to seven. You know, and so. Uh, the pitching has been has been uh, somewhat of an annoyance, I would say, among the fan base because Mike Miner has somehow proven to be just like this monster ace. And then after that, you know, Chris Woodward is pulling out everything he can. He's been using openers, Jose Leclerc, Jesse Chavez as openers, trying to trying to mask as much of like the guys like Drew Smiley as he can. But um, it's pretty it's pretty tough out there on the mound for sure. It's pretty funny because. I mean, from what I know, it seems like Chris Woodward's kind of an old school type of guy. Wouldn't necessarily want to go the opener route, but I think he has his hands kind of tied. And they've been three and one so far using the opener. So he's picked his spots pretty wisely. I guess the real question, though, is this. And yeah, it's it's pretty easy to to pull up the, the rotation and look at their numbers and and figure out, you know, they're walking too many guys. They're giving up way too many hitch. T- teams are batting 275 against them, which is just a ridiculous batting average against an entire staff. What happens then? Because right now they're a half game out in the wild card, uh, second wild card spot. What happens when you get closer to the trade deadline? Do you think they are buyers or are they sellers? And I have a part B to that question too. Is there additional pressure based on the fact that they're, in-state rival is so good and is a division rival too in the Houston Astros. Well, I don't think there's a, there's a pressure from the rival because the Astros are so good. Like, like it's not really close. They're not, the Rangers aren't one or two trade pieces away from catching the Astros anywhere. So I think, I I think, you know, if, if the Rangers were a little better or the Astros were a little worse and like it was a closer race, then I would say there'd be more pressure. But right now, the Rangers are really focused on building their own roster right now, not really competing with anybody else. I mean, anytime you talk, there's a lot of, you know, I was here, uh, I was covering the team a few years ago when uh, they were winning all those one run games and they were at the top of the division and everything. And it's just a different um, sound out of the clubhouse when you're winning and losing. Like there's a lot, of, I'm not saying they're content losing, but sometimes they'll lose games, and they'll and like it'll just be a chippy locker room and and or a chippy clubhouse, and it'll just be you know we did good things and we need to build on it. And that's kind of where the Rangers are right now. Is they're just trying to build upon what what they can do themselves. They're not really competing with anybody outside, 
And I think once the trade deadline comes, um, the Rangers will kind of even out. They're not going to be half a game outside the wild card. I think, uh, and, you know, eventually they're going to they're going to go on some kind of losing skid, and the, the pitching just can't hold up. And so um, I, I think they're they're going to be sellers, or they're just going to stay stagnant because I mean, who can they really sell right now other than Mike Miner? You know, so um, they might just stay still. What are some of the big contracts that they need to get off the books out of curiosity? Would it be like uh, Shinsu Chu or Andrews? Maybe is he one that would be? I thought was I was hearing maybe early in the year or last year is expecting maybe to get rid of Andrews. Yeah, Andrews. Andrews is is interesting, but um, Chris Woodward when he came in, he really made it very clear that that he values Elvis Andrews more than just a baseball player, kind of a leader in the clubhouse. He's He's that carryover from the World Series teams, and and you know, so they really value his leadership a lot, uh, especially as this roster is con- uh, is you know building back up. And Shinsu Chu, that contract just no one's going to take that. Like it's 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 kind of an immovable contract in a lot of ways, and so it's hard to say that you know they can move that. Um, and then you have to look at what what can a guy like Mike Miner bring? Can he really bring in enough for you to move him and and, you know, you have to also be aware that you can't be complete sellers because you do have to sell the stadium next year. So you, so you have to have someone that, that can at least step on the mound and take care of business. And right now they have one guy in Mike Miner, and that's about it. You were talking about uh, the contributions from, from Hunter Pence, but, you know, offensively, and, and you, you hit on this a little bit too, It's it's got to be a bit frustrating when – you look up and down the Rangers lineup, everybody is having a pretty solid season or most of the main contributors. I mean, Gallo, he's his you know, batting average, and you talked about the improvements the last couple of years. He he's a little bit better defensively. He's not, you know, hitting two hundred anymore. He's hitting two eighty and he was hitting three hundred for a while. You look at Andrews, who's been very good. Chu has been producing quite well. Mazzara has been good. Hunter Pence, Logan Forsythe has had a good year. And even Azrubal Cabrera, he's, he's got 30 plus RBIs. It's, it's as a, as a Rangers fan and someone covering it, it's a, is it a little bit frustrating knowing that you probably wouldn't even need that good of a pitching staff to be competitive with this lineup? Yeah, it is. It, it is kind of frustrating. And also one name that, you know, I was, I was making sure that you didn't mention this name and that's Rubenet Odor. He's just yeah. been awful for the Rangers this year after he made a lot of progress last year. And so that's been, that's been really, uh, in some ways, disheartening to see because he was really coming on strong last year. And, you know, if, if he was playing better, that would be a lot of help as well. But you're absolutely right about uh, the pitching. Like, you know, you don't need elite pitching right now. You just need just enough. And, and a lot of times the Rangers aren't even getting just enough good pitching from from their staff and so that's been kind of you know that that's been a bit of a a hindrance on them but you know at the end of the day like Chris Woodward you you actually made a good point where you said you know he's old school but he's really shown to be very flexible um in in the way that he's managing this whole roster using openers um Jose Leclerc was supposed to be the shutdown closer he starts struggling now he's being used as a closer or in a lower leverage situations, and uh, and so you know they have some guys in the in the system as well. Emmanuel Clase throws a one hundred two fastball, 
um, down in Double A right now, who's probably going to join the team in, a, in about a month or two. So they they have some help on the way. Um, they just kind of have to get by. Um, and right now, the the starting the starting pitchers aren't doing enough to even get through. You know five innings, which which is not too much to ask for from your starting pitcher. Saad, you talked about Odur being a disappointment, but I want to ask you about another player that I was really high on because he's a first former first-round draft pick, and I was a huge fan of his father with the Expos, and it seems like when Delano DeShields first got called up in 2015, he actually had his best season back then, you know, his most hits, the most runs scored. Uh, laced 22 doubles just because of that raw speed and 10 triples because of that raw speed and 25 steals. It looked like he was really a, a big-time prospect in the making. It seems like he's really, really regressed. It, has it been more the injury bug? He's just found no consistency since that year. What's kind of the word about DeShields? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been one of those funky things where, um, you know, it, it's not you, you you want to you want to like say that it's injury but it's really not i mean I, he he just has regressed in a weird way yeah, i would say his regression is similar to the progression of willie calhoun where you know willie calhoun like just a couple of months ago was was didn't even make the opening opening day uh roster and then somehow some way he comes up here and he just can't do anything wrong and delano de shields kind of in the same way he just couldn't do anything right. I, it, there's not really a lot of explanation for it, but the, like you know, the, it just wasn't it just wasn't working for him. Kind of how the same way how you know things just seem to work for Willie Calhoun every time he steps up to the plate. And so I think I think those two guys kind of indicate two different directions that that you know a young player has gone for the Rangers. Yeah, and it'll be nice, cool to see if uh, they're able to get Calhoun a few more at-bats. I mean, the guy is just raking 17 RBIs in uh, six games. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's uh, that's just crazy, crazy stuff, man. But as always, my friend, we appreciate having you on, and uh, we hope that the Rangers keep up the uh, exciting brand of baseball, giving up a lot of runs, scoring a lot of runs, but hopefully <laughs> uh, ending up uh, with more wins than losses as we uh, – you approach the the midway point of the season, and uh, we'll definitely check in with you on uh, some Dallas Cowboys talk as the summer progresses. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you so much, my friend. That's Saad Yusuf, always bringing good stuff. Always on got Twitter, great insight about his team, the teams that he covers, man. Yeah, on Twitter, uh, at S-A-A-D-Y-O-U-S-U-F-126, Saad Yusuf. So great stuff, always from Saad. I want to make a correction from you real quick, Mike. Sure, he, please. He's raking, but I was looking at the same stats you were looking at. I think we were looking at his total bases instead of RBIs, because I think he has seven RBIs in the six games, not 17. Because I, I looked, when you said that, I looked down and I was like, what? 17 RBIs? I think we're, you're looking at total bases. You're right. That is so a very good correction. I think he, he does still is seven. raking, though. Oh, Four no. I mean, he's got, ten, average. he's got 10 hits and 23 at bats. Yeah, right when I saw 17, also I was like, "Wait, is that is that even possible?" But then I was yeah. like, "You know what? He's he. I know that he's hit a uh, he's had a bunch of game winning hits, and yeah. uh, and he's really really done I mean, well he's got since a couple he's jacks. yeah yeah he's done really really well. It's just a matter of getting him some more abs. And uh, you know, I know that he uh, Saad was saying that that chew contract is going to be pretty tough to get rid of. But I think at some point in time, you know, you have to find a way, even if you eat up some of that salary, because right now. 
Shoes batting almost 300. He's got a lot of home runs, decent amount of RBIs. He's really, really productive. He's having a nice, you know, he's always been kind of an underrated player anyways. Yeah, he's going to be a team that's going to need him at some point. I think this is the time now where you reward your young player for being called up and doing really, really well. You know, I love these kind of, we talked about it a few weeks ago. We were talking about Puig. I love what it could do to a team when you call somebody up who just crushes it. And we're seeing that with the kid in Atlanta right now. Um, he's just winning games Soraka. left yeah. and right. Uh, no, the um, the uh, the no, the third baseman that got called up. He's just absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the name after the commercial break. Let's take a commercial. We'll t- keep talking baseball, and uh, I'll find that name for you guys. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to mike at the mike show.com now back to this week's program in closing segment here on the mike abadir show let's start to bounce around the mlb and we start generally over in the uh, American League East. Yeah, before we do, Gino, let me yep. uh, give the name oh, yeah, of yeah. the player that I was uh, talking about before the break. Yeah, for Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley. If yeah. uh, He's just, he's, he's, just he's a fresh call-up. He's a baby, 22 years old, absolutely raking. If you guys out there haven't had a chance to check him out or, or pull up the numbers or get him on your fantasy team, do it. He's the real deal, a top draft pick that's playing like a top draft pick. 
you know, hitting for high average home runs, RBIs, got 20 RBIs. We double checked it in uh, 14 games played, batting 481 at home. And I'll tell you this much. I know we're going to go to the East in a second for the American League, but um, the Braves were a team that both you and I were not high well, on actually, coming before, into the okay, season. So let's, let's stop and let's, let's, let's hit right here then. This is exactly what I was going to okay. ask more than anything. We're one third of the season through now, more than one third of the season now, more by a couple games. Yep. Is there anything of your predictions based on what you've seen where you say, you know what, I was wrong, I would change that? Okay, great question. Because there are some teams that maybe I thought would be bad that are playing good that I still think will end sure, up bad. Sure. Or, or teams trend. that I thought would be good that are playing Completely bad, like agree. the Cardinals, for example, sure. that I think will end up being good. I agree. But the Braves were a team that I thought were going to be, I thought they played over their heads last year. And I thought it's impossible for them to get the same kind of production from Marcakis. And Donaldson's is a, a nice move that's done four years too late. And Dansby Swanson is so inconsistent, and he hasn't lived up to his first-round draft pick billing, and Ozzy Albies has to regress, and Acuna, sure, he's a bright spot, but their catchers are old and worn out, and I just don't think they're going to be there because they don't have necessarily the right pitching staff to be able to win games through the course of a 162-game season. And I'm here to tell you I'm dead wrong. Yeah, Absolutely wrong about it. I think their pitching staff is legit. It's real. They well, made the young, a lot the of two adjustments. Young kids are, are huge. That that's yeah. that's and it was coming into the season, it was tough to project that kind of production from kids that you don't know. You know, you yeah, not, and it's kind of funny because know, like, they're not being carried. Yeah, they're not being carried by a Fulty and by Tehran and guys like that. No. You know, they're being carried by guys and, and or even Sean Newcomb who had to yeah. be sent down. You know, Max Reed and Soraka and guys that you mentioned before the break are killing it. Absolutely phenomenal pitching. Two young studs at the top of the rotation has been huge for them. With that and the combination of Washington and the Mets not playing very well and, and not really both of those teams not really pitching very well, which what you expect if you told me Washington and the Mets were both under 500 and that Washington was 10 games behind the Phillies. I, it, it wouldn't completely shock me, but I would expect that they were just losing a lot of games like two to one or three to two, not scoring enough runs, but their pitch. Scherzer has not been that great at the beginning of the year. He's been getting hit quite a bit. Corbin's been solid. The rest of their staff has been okay. Soto hasn't really taken a step. Turner has been hurt all year. They've had a ton of injuries, but I'm not going to blame it on injuries because even when they've the lineups that they've put out there have not produced. So they're a team that I think I was completely wrong on. And then and I, you look at the National League East, the Braves are the reason, are a lot of the reason why. Um, so I, I don't, and, and honestly, I would not, I don't expect Washington to turn it around. I don't. I don't think they're going to be able to be up contending with the, the Braves and the Phillies in this division. I would think, I give the Mets now even more of a look, just based on what I've seen from the Nationals. It doesn't look good. Yeah, and the reason that Gino's bringing up uh, the Mets and the, and the Nationals because those were each of our respective uh, division winners uh, before the season started. So it sounds like, Gino, you're maybe jumping off the uh, Nationals bandwagon. Yeah. I'm still going to stay on the Mets. The Mets, despite the Braves playing so well and the Mets uh, getting some poor pitching, and they have kind of have like a weird assembly in terms of their lineup. I don't understand what management is doing. It seems like they're like, you know what, youth, movement no let's go ahead and call up carlos gomez and rajiv davis and and bring all the old timers back and 
to their credit, those guys have come in with some clutch hits and stuff like that. But despite everything, the Mets are only two and a half games behind the Braves. They're almost at 500. They've won seven out of their last 10. And I think their manager is playing for his life, so to speak. And I could always tell when players like a manager is when they hear the whispers and then they go on a run. So I want to wait and see if they do go indeed on a run. I think their pitching staff, like you said, it just way too talented for that, for these guys to have like four and a half ERAs and four, seven, two ERAs. It doesn't make sense to me, but usually guys like that get it figured out. Kind of like scale, you know, you know, those types of guys, they usually get it figured out at some point in Mm -hmm. time. So I'm still going to stick with the Mets Uh, moving on to the next division. Another uh, division that I'm, you know, dead wrong about so far is the central, right? If we're just going to stick in the NL might as well. Um, Cubs, you know, take your hats off to them. They're playing good ball, but I still do think that they're going to regress. Yes. Um, I'm not sold on their pitching staff, whatever. The the Cubs fans do not like the Pocota projections, which um, before the season, it, you know, it projects, it's not even like really advanced analytics. It was literally just projecting the ERAs. Right. And so before the ER, before the season, you looked at what the projections were there for their pitching staff. And you looked at what their pitching staff's numbers were just 10 games ago, 15 games ago. And I'm scratching my head going, this doesn't make sense. There was an after the seventh after his seventh start of the season, John Lester had a one point one six ERA after seven starts. Since then, he's given up five, four and seven earned runs. He went from a one point one six up to a 3.59 in three starts. There was an article that was written about the Cubs and how they were outperforming the projections. And since that article is written, he went from a 2.06 up to a 3.59. He was projected to have a 4.4 ERA. So when you're sitting at 1.16 after seven starts, and I like a lot of Cubs fans were arguing with me, and I was like, I think they're gonna they're just playing a little bit better than they are. And they were, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if Lester ends the season with a 1.1 ERA. You know, I'll give you a million dollars, you know, like exactly. it's just, it's not going to happen. And e- even little numbers like Cole Hamels two weeks ago, when, when there were, this article was written about how the Cubs are outperforming their projections, Cole Hamels had a three ERA since then his last two starts, he's only gone four innings and four innings. He's given up a total of nine earned runs, 16 hits, six walks and six strikeouts. Now his ERA is up over four. So you things- know funny thing, by the way, you know, what kind of killed them? was going in and playing the Texas Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> those games were, I don't know if you saw any of those games or any of those scores. Those were all like 10 to 9 and all sorts of crazy scores over there. And that's those are ERA killers. So the problem with them is not is not that I don't, their offense is excellent. Deep, six, seven deep. They can outscore any team. If you tell me that they get into the playoffs because their offense is firing on all cylinders. But their pitching is not consistent enough for them to be so much better than the rest of that central division. That doesn't mean they can't get in, but their margin for error is not as big as it had been in the first few weeks. They're not going to get that kind of performances over and over and over. Even someone like Hendricks, who he's generally a pretty solid pitcher, he's he's right above three right now, and he's probably more like a three, five to four pitcher. You know, So if everybody floats up a little bit, that means some of those games that you won by one or two runs instead of winning them, you're losing them by one or two runs. Doesn't mean you're a you're a 20 games under 500. That just means you're not a team that's four games better than everyone in the division. And right now they're only a game above the Brewers. 
Yeah, and uh, the team we both predicted to win that division, the St. Louis Cardinals, they have been really disappointing. I think that they're going to be able to get things corrected, but I'm most disappointed in their uh, pitching staff, and they haven't even gotten a lot of consistency from their big guns, you know, especially starting with, like, Paul Goldschmidt. Carpenter's you know, he, been horrible. Carpenter's been horrible. DeJong has really been the only guy that's uh, that's done pretty well for them. Even Martinez, he started off on fire, but he's been terrible lately. Wong Here's was Vader. hot, and then he struggled. Yep, he's cooled off. The one kid that I think uh, could be a good spark, and I really like him a lot, and he's super athletic, is Harrison Bader. Yeah, he and is. I think now that he's, um, he's a little he's, healthier, he claimed the starting role again. I think we we'll look out for him. He's the type of guy, especially for fantasy players, um, not the week to week stuff, but you know the guys Maybe. that are in it for the long haul. I think he's the type of guy he could hit 15 home runs and steal you 15 bases from here on out. So he might be a nice cheap pickup for somebody. Let's quickly go to the West and move to the other divisions before we close. Yeah. Yeah, they'll trend the other way. They were six and eighteen yeah, I agree. in the month. The Dodgers look really tough. I mean, the the Padres. N- nothing's really surprising to me about the West. Um, you know, the the Padres, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, all kind of where we figured they would be, right? A few games above to a few games below five hundred. Diamondbacks actually, for a while, they were playing a lot better than yeah. I expected them I to. Agree. They're getting their regression as well. Mm-hmm. That the same one that the Mariners are getting, uh, that are experiencing offensively. Even the guys like Christian Walker, who were just bashing at the beginning of the year, they're like uh, you know on uh, two for forty three type of slumps. And even though he hit a home run, I think it was today or yesterday but um the rockies are a team though that was the team that was kind of my sneaky pick and they started off really really poorly they're, they're finally kind of turning it on now they've won eight out of their last 10 games this they've is what they five do in generally a row. too they, i think they're, they're probably too far team. yeah and i think they're probably too far behind the dodgers for my prediction to come true mainly because not because they, they can't go on a run and, and still win like 90 95 games for the rockies that is but I don't think that the Dodge, the Dodgers are too good to be giving up eight game leads I, I think against the Padres I, I or the Rockies. It I won't agree. matter. I think this team could probably coast from here on out and just based on talent win that division. What a game last night, huh? They gotta figure something out with the bullpen because what their bullpen's not performing well, but they have plenty of like when you when you start with Kenley, Joe Kelly. Pedro Baez, who was their best reliever all last year, and now you have Urias and Stripling. Those are five arms that you should be able to trust in a bullpen. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Yep. You know, so um, we'll see. Joe Kelly has to get better than what he's been. And, I, you know, maybe they make a move or not, but they just need to execute better. Plain and simple. They have Agreed. the players that just need to play better. I mean, they are spending a lot of money on a bullpen between Kenley and Joe Kelly. And then, you know, you know, you move to the American League. We just see the Twins. They they stay red hot. They continue to win ball games. Winning games above 500. Man, and that and that AL East is going to be fun. With, with the Red Sox, with Tampa, and with the Yankees, we have, you know, three of the seven or eight best teams, you know, maybe even let maybe even five to six best teams in baseball all in that division. And is one of them going to get left out in some way? Yeah. I was you know? just going to say in closing here, cause we got about 30 seconds left. The American league has been, is pretty straightforward. You know, things are starting to kind of settle in, yeah. uh, you know, as to the way they're supposed to. And obviously you got the big three in the AL East, the twins and, and maybe the Indians and then the Astros and the A's, the team with the top seven records are the ones that we all thought would be there. Yeah. Nothing so, really surprising there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the I Indians think I was might probably be big sellers. Year, I was just going to quickly say, a year, I think I'm a year too early on the Royals, but I still like their pieces, and they've got some exciting young ball players. So I don't think they're going to win that division. I know they're not. But I think that they're a team that, um, you know, look out for them. They could disrupt the playoff picture come September and knock some teams off their rails. 
But so much to get to. This real hour really did fly by uh, incredibly fast, you know. Yeah, and next week we'll be talking some Belmont Stakes. I think we'll you know hit on the uh, the NBA Finals, see what that's going like. We'll talk a little more baseball. So we'll be very well versed next week. Yep, and maybe even circle up with a little NFL talk too. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. We will see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.